0: And welcome to Let's Talk About Books, baby, where we talk with your favorite LGBTQ authors. So this is Anita Kelly, and my guest today is the multi-award-winning author, Ann McMahon. Hello, Anne. Hi, Anita.
1: How are you? You know, I'm great for a Saturday. Awesome.
0: I'm, I'm good for a Saturday, I think. Uh, you know, it's a little
1: chilly up here in the Northeast. Yeah, it's a little chilly down here in the south, too. Is it really? Oh, yeah. We got down to 40 degrees last night, which is unheard of.
0: Oh, my goodness. It
1: was... Unheard uh, of.
0: Yes, 38 here, so there's not a big difference. Where are you? I'm in Pennsylvania. Uh, Oh, where? Where? I am just north of Philadelphia.
1: Oh, well, I grew up in Pennsylvania, but on the opposite side of the state. Uh, Okay, so uh, a westerner. Yeah, Northwestern up near Erie. Oh,
0: great! Okay, I had some friends who actually went to Clarion up there. And... Oh, I know it
1: well. Yeah. Know it
0: well. Okay, and my, yeah. uh, I I know someone who actually lives
1: in Edinburgh. Yeah, Edinburgh, not far at all from my hometown.
0: Okay, good to know. Good to know. Yeah, I'm in uh, just north of Allentown. Oh yeah,
1: we were just through there. We. um Salem and I vacation every summer and any other time we can get there. We vacation in Vermont and um, we actually go right through Allentown on our way.
0: Oh, nice. So you go through like 78 or something? Yep, that's the one. All right. All right. Yep. Uh, right by our house. We, we, oh, my. Yeah, we used to live in Allentown. We moved uh, just probably maybe a half hour north of there. We're like out in the country now, so.
1: Oh, lovely! That's beautiful country. Yeah, it
0: is. It is. We're we're right across from the Appalachian Trail, so it's just and uh, that's
1: val. What's that valley called? The, from, Le- I mean,
0: the Lehigh Valley. Lehigh Valley. Duh! I should mm-hmm. know. Yeah, it, absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, it is. It's it's a beautiful place to live. Uh, so conveniently located, close to the mountains, to the shore. You know, like mm-hmm. the Jersey Shore, New York, Philly. It's great.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: So, so um, you're down south, huh?
1: Yeah, um I'm in North Carolina. I'm actually in a town called Winston-Salem, ah. which is kind of in north central North Carolina. It's a it's a really lovely sized city, you know, not too big, not too small. A lot of, you know, great restaurants and a lot of arts and music. Yeah. So it's a it's a lovely part of the state.
0: Yeah, I had a nephew who lived in Raleigh-Durham. Uh, oh yeah. 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 Yeah, he had a couple of restaurants there.
1: Yeah, North Carolina is actually a whole lot like, you know, a lot of different states all put together. I always laugh about how, uh, you know, the, the political pundit James Carville always talked about Pennsylvania as Philadelphia and Pittsburgh with Alabama in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And North Carolina is kind of getting to the point where it's not that dissimilar from that idea because we've got these huge population centers, Raleigh and Charlotte and then the whole Winston and Greensboro area where we live. And then the rest of the state is pretty much like a different country.
0: Yeah, yeah. Asheville,
1: Asheville to a certain extent too.
0: Oh yeah, I thought about, we thought about actually moving to Asheville. Um, Asheville's gorgeous. Yeah, it is, it is. I was uh, looking at a job actually at, uh, at the college there,
1: so. UNC Asheville? Yeah, yeah. A really good friend of mine, a dear friend of mine is the new chancellor of, of UNC Asheville Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah Nancy Cable I worked with her for like a hundred I always worked in higher ed um my whole career and uh I worked with Nancy at two different colleges
0: oh that's awesome so, yeah. yeah I spent a good deal of my career in higher ed as well
1: so really yeah that's interesting yep were you teaching
0: um I'm let sorry me, let me Anita let
1: me interview you
0: <laughs> yeah right. <laughs> uh, so I didn't catch your question. What was? Oh, uh, were you a teacher? Um, so I was the director of a college counseling center, okay. um, and also um, uh, an LG, uh, the LGBT coordinator, um, and uh, I taught at other colleges as well. I taught uh, counseling and um, uh, psychology courses. So,
1: yeah, wow, excellent, good for you.
0: Yeah, it was fun. It was fun.
1: Well, I was not a teacher, but I worked my entire um, professional career in higher ed as a graphic designer. Did you? Yeah, I sure did. That's my that's my that's my day job. Ah, that's okay. my day job. So, um, yeah, that's what I did. I I uh, work professionally uh, designing and. Developing advancement and recruitment materials. Wow, that's wonderful. Oh, yeah. That's fun, really. So that kind of naturally, uh, when I retired two years ago, that I retired early. Um, that naturally, you know, was a, a a great transition for me from doing that kind of work full time into doing cover design.
0: Ah, so is which that? I do, a,
1: I do a lot of
0: now. Okay. And, and you do that for, is it Bywater?
1: I do it for uh, Bywater and I do it for several other publishers and I also do it for a whole bunch of uh, individual kind of indie authors.
0: Wow. That's fantastic.
1: Yeah. I've probably done, gosh, I've never even bothered to count multiple hundreds of covers, cover designs. Wow. That's a great gig. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, uh, I like the work a lot, um, I have always viewed it as kind of a, you know, it's something that I feel I can give back to the community because it's a, it's a skill and an ability that I have Mm -hmm. and I get to do it to promote something that we, that we all care about, which is our, our literature.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic. So speaking of your literature, um, can you tell us about your new release, the big two and the toe. Um, oh, the big toe. The big toe. You're right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're,
1: you're like me. You transpose letters.
0: I yeah. do. <laughs> oh my gosh, I totally do. Yeah, um, the big toe. The big toe. An unlikely romance.
1: Yes, very unlikely. The big toe is a um, is a comic, a romantic comedy. It is a pretty much a, a farcical romp. That is set in North Carolina. It's set in a couple of small towns in North Carolina, in Winston Salem, and in another small town. The locals here actually call K Vegas. It's a real place, Kernersville. Is it really? And it really is. Kernersville is a real place. All of all of the places in this book are real. Every every restaurant they go to, you know, every town they're in, every everything is a real place. Mm-hmm. Um, so crazy. the the book centers around. Two women, um, Vera, Nick, her nickname is Nick, Vera Nick Nicholson. Or Not another, Vera. Not Vera. She's called, <laughs> yeah, she doesn't go by Vera, but for some reason people persist on calling her Vera <laughs> or make fun of her and call her Not Vera. <laughs> uh, so so um, Nick Nicholson and Frankie Stoller, who is a third grade public school teacher and the daughter of a mortician. And... <laughs> These two women, who would seemingly have nothing in common—one of my homeworks—meet um, when, for different reasons, they both take temp jobs, repossessing cars. This is great. So I felt like just that setup yeah. gave me, a, you know, just a canvas for developing as many absurd and ridiculous. Stories as I could, you know, put these two women in this situation and figure out how many things could go wrong, and of course they all do.
0: Uh, I gotta tell you, I started reading it. Thank you so much for sending it. Oh, sure, and uh, it is awesome. I oh good, I am liking it to something like a, a Rita Mae Brown book. Thank you. What a compliment. Yeah. Like I'm laughing out loud. My wife sitting on the couch next to me going, what are you laughing at? You know, Uh, (laughs) it's great. Well, you know, they get
1: into all kinds of um, mischief and the book is a decidedly Southern novel. Totally. I've lived in North, although I, I was born in Pennsylvania and, and more or less grew up there. I've lived in the South for 47 years. Okay. So this is really my home, yeah. and this book gave me an opportunity to kind of write about that, to honor it, to show affection for it, and also poke fun at it, because there are things about being in the South that are terribly unique. You know the, um, you know the way people talk, the the way uh, language is kind of you know the the way the way people speak in general down here, it's almost poetic in the ways they string words together and, and descriptions and expressions and mm-hmm. food food is a huge part of the culture, as is Jesus. <laughs> So, you know, I loved it. So I, I wrote it all with great affection, which, um, you know, which I hope really comes through.
0: Oh, it does. It does. It's just, it, it is a lovely book. It really is. I'm, I'm not through it yet. Um,
1: how, how, have you gotten to the hearse yet? Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> that is the best. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When they have to go and repossess the hearse, um, I think of all the jobs they get. And they get more and more extreme as the book goes along. I have to say that I think the hearse is my favorite.
0: Oh, that was that was genius, really. <laughs> so so I have to ask, how do you come up with these ideas? Like, this is, is you know, kind of out there, right?
1: I have never been able to cobble together an articulate answer to that that doesn't make me sound like a psychopath. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like, I guess it's just how my mind works. I mean, it's not hard. You know, I think that there is, um, there is like absurdity and, you know, and, and, and great stories with comic value going around, you know, happening around us all constantly. Yeah. And that the only thing we have to do is what the great writer Doris Betts said many years ago as a writer, is just pay attention.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, just pay attention. And look around you and see it, you know, and then recognize it for what it is and then just write it.
0: Yeah. yeah. That's, uh, uh, just shows you have a great comedic mind actually. Well, I
1: guess, you know, but for me actually writing, you know, I, I like writing dramatic fiction also. Oh, do you? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, uh, the, a couple of the Jericho books for okay. sure. Okay. Um, like the book jericho starts out as pretty much formulaic straight up romance and then as the books continue aftermath it's certainly goldenrod and then the fourth jericho book which i'm writing right now covenant they've kind of jumped genres in a way you know they've sort of gone from straight romance to romantic comedy to kind of like dramatic fiction okay So I do like, I do like writing, um, dramatic fiction also, but um, the point that I was going to make is, um, that's a lot harder for me, you know, than writing humor. Writing humor just kind of comes to me naturally. Uh, You know, the big toe, I pretty much wrote at our dining room table. (laughs) Now I had planned it all out, Uh but I essentially wrote the book in about six weeks. Wow.
0: That's amazing. That really is. Well, I mean, it is.
1: I mean, I hope people don't go. Yeah, it reads like a too.
0: No. Oh my God. No. Like I, I'm. I'm uh, serious. Like I. And I don't know. I'm. I'm partial to that type of book. Like I love Southern humor. Um, oh, I love Fanny Flag and. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah.
1: In fact, when you mentioned um, Rita Mae Brown, if I had a goal, um, in, in you know. My dream for how this book might come together and turn out, it would, it would pretty much be if you took Fanny Flagg and Rita Mae Brown and put them in a blender,
0: Oh, that's you know, that that that's what you would end up with. I I think you, you hit it. I really do. I think you hit your mark. Um, I, I really can't put it down. Um, Oh, good. What a compliment. Thank you. Yeah. You know, I got to tell you, I met Rita Mae Brown um, at, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Giovanni's Room. In yeah. Philadelphia. Yeah, absolutely. So I was just in there looking around, browsing, and uh, I turn around and I'm like, That looks like Rita Mae Brown. I'm like, No, oh. what is she doing here? Right? Was she just in there
1: shopping? Yeah,
0: yeah, just hanging oh, wow. out. Wow, how cool. Yeah, it was
1: cool. It was cool. Yeah. So
0: yeah, so I got to talk to her for a little bit. But
1: Yeah, I met her yeah. I met her at a um at a well, actually no, I didn't meet her that time. One time when we were in New York for the Lammy, she was receiving like a visionary award. So she was there and gave an amazing um, speech. And then uh, she also appeared at a GCLS conference several years ago. Oh, cool. And and I got to meet her there. And she really is remarkable.
0: Yeah, she is really. She
1: really and she has a lot to say, yeah. you know, that um, all of us who are writing right now would, would do well to heed.
0: Yeah, yeah. She's like a visionary.
1: She is. Yeah.
0: So so speaking of the Lammy Awards, um, you actually have won two, yeah, with the literary awards. Yeah, go figure. And like <laughs> eight Goldies,
1: yeah, plus yeah.
0: others. Like there are some others that I yeah wasn't really yeah. familiar with. So yeah. so how has that changed your life and and your writing career? Has it had an impact on it?
1: No, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it it increases your night terrors, <laughs> and, you know. Kind of, I mean, me because I'll tell you first to clarify on the Goldies. I have one eight. Only four of those are for books I've written, and um, the other four are for covers. Okay. You know, cover designs. Okay. But still, you know, still it's, it's lovely. Still um, no and then the two Lamys, uh, back to back in in different genres. You know, <laughs> one year in. Romance and the Next Year in Mystery, um, it, yeah, it really does. It really does change you. It, it, at least in my case, it's um, it, it's scary. I mean, you feel like, I mean, you're, I'm extremely grateful that, uh, you know, that, that anything I wrote garnered that caliber of recognition. I mean, that's extremely humbling. But at the same time, it really does ratchet up the, uh, it ups the ante on anything you do in the future, you know, like you feel, yeah, well, yeah, I mean, you feel like, wow, you know, now I guess like, I can't just like shove something out there, you know, (laughs) um, you know, you want to make sure that you kind of live up to that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You have a brand now.
1: Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. <laughs>
0: Sorry. <laughs> I guess. So. No,
1: no. I mean, you know. But, it you know, it's like, in, in, in the, especially in the case of the Lambies, it was kind of like, you know, uh, I wrote my first book. This is really impossible to believe. But my first book was published in 2011, 2011 nine years ago, which is incredible. Wow. It seems like 40 years ago. Wow. Um, and I used to think about, you know, I, you know, I used to think, "Wow, you know, if I if I could ever just win a Goldie or or wow, just get a Lammy, you know, then I would have nothing else ever to wish for or aspire to, uh-huh. you know." And now, of course, I want to win the Pillsbury Bake Off. You
0: know? <laughs> that, that's the fun,
1: the final frontier. Okay, all right, oh. but
0: you know, I, I thought maybe you would shoot for the the Great British Baking
1: Show. Baking show, show? yeah. Oh, I'd never last two seconds in a tent with Paul Hollywood. I would punch <laughs> his lights out. Yeah, no. You know? He's a little a little smug. Yeah, but don't you miss Mel and Sue?
0: Yeah. Me yeah. too. Yeah. 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 For real. Um I actually started watching the holiday version of it, and then I was like, "Yeah, it's too early, too early." It's uh,
1: no, it's not too early here. We started playing Christmas music about three weeks ago. Did you really? Oh yeah. We can't (laughs) handle it. We had to. We had to put ourselves on, uh, like news probation.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah.
1: Like. Absolutely, you know, in the evening, you know, after we have dinner and, you know, deal with dogs and all that other stuff, you know, yeah. it used to be that we would sit down and, and watch a couple hours of news. Well, man, if you do that now, you don't sleep. No, I know, you're right. Yep. You know, so so the only thing we're permitted to watch now are cooking shows or Love It or List It.
0: Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> Another I have a one.
1: Huge, I have a huge crush on Hillary Farm. Do you really? Oh
0: gosh, yeah. yeah oh mean,
1: yeah. yeah. Oh it's bad. Yeah. I'm gonna stalk her.
0: She's pretty hot.
1: Yeah. I, I just you know, I'm like I'm gonna start cruising furniture showrooms in High
0: Point. And- <laughs> oh, see her. Maybe, maybe one day you'll run into her.
1: Okay. Yeah,
0: it could happen. She lives here. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Did you drive bys?
1: Yeah, oh yeah, drive bys are huge.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, Carson Kressley lives right right up Around the hill from us. No way. Yeah. So Oh that's so cool. We do drive bys.
1: (laughs) Yeah, we met some people. Um one of the one of the um one of the many great friends we've made all our years of going to Vermont in the summers is um we we know a woman who literally lives across the road from Rosie O'Donnell.
0: Ah, nice. In in Miami? (laughs) No, in New York. Ah, okay. All right.
1: Awesome. I think it's in, I think, Nyack, Nyack, New York. One of those sort of rarefied yeah. Hudson River, whatever, communities.
0: Yep, I gotcha. These things have nothing
1: to do with writing.
0: No, they don't. But they're fun, nonetheless. Yeah, yeah. So, um, what, getting back to the big toe, what yeah, kind you of, got it. what kind of research did you have to do for that?
1: Yeah, you know, you would think for a book that's really just a comic, like a romantic comedy mm-hmm. that's just kind of a romp that is all about, you You know when you start reading the book that these two women are going to fall in love and end up together. I mean, mm-hmm. we just know that, mm-hmm. right? But how many things we can put them through on the path to getting them there. And I'm a great believer in delayed gratification. Okay. So um, so research, I had to learn more than you would think about the whole business of repossessing cars. Yeah. I mean, it's like a science. It's you know, the things that go into it and, and all the ways there are to start a car without keys, how you get in, if the car was manufactured before 1990, you know, you take this kind of approach. If it's after 1990, you can't do that. You have to bypass the start, you know, on and on and on. So there's all of that. All yeah. of that.
0: I was actually wondering if you already knew that or if you yeah, had well, to you do know, research. I, I, do have
1: a, I do have a checkered past. <laughs> But, um, you're, no, you're good no, at
0: carjacking too. Yeah, yeah, carjacking,
1: right? You know, in college, you do things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, or I could be like whoever that guy is on that Delta flight. You know, well, I was on Ambien, so you know, <laughs> I I just happened to have a Slim Jim in my pocket <laughs> and broke my. Um, yeah, yeah, no. So I mean, him. I needed to learn. I needed to learn the nuances, the ins and outs of carjacking, and it's actually gotten very sophisticated. You know, they actually have these. Um, They're called stinger, stinger trucks. This is probably a level of detail that you neither know nor care about. But um, they look like ordinary kind of extra cab pickups. Okay. You can't even see the towing paraphernalia, it's all sort of tucked underneath. Uh, and these trucks can pull up beside a car that's parallel parked. Yeah. And a lot of times people who know the repo agents are out looking to get their vehicle will do things like that to make it real hard to get it. Yeah. You know? But these stinger trucks can pull up right next to the car and there's like this little this little like elevator thing, you know, that projects out that actually just lifts the car up and pulls it out. Oh, cool! you know then they can you know, so there was all of that, so um, I also had to do a lot of research on um insurance fraud, ah, okay. which actually becomes an issue in this book okay. later, okay, um you oh. know, and how that how that works. I had to learn about uh how people who are really into this for a lot of money um fence mm-hmm. stolen vehicles, mm-hmm. There was all of that. I had to do tons of research on things. You know, one of the jobs that Nick and Frankie get is to repossess this, you know, four hundred thousand dollar Donzi speedboat. That's where I'm at. Oh, I love that one. The Donzi. Yeah. You know, so we had to learn how do you how do you actually drive one of those? Yeah. Yeah. You know? And um, I, I did a ton of work on that, like learning, because those boats are 35 feet long. Yeah. You know, they basically have these rocket engines mm-hmm. on them. You know, they, they literally like fly. Yeah, you know, they on do. The water. And I had to carefully plot that entire caper, like where are they going to get the, bo- the boat? How are they going to get the boat? Where are they going to take it? Because they have to get it out of the water. You know, once they take off with it, yeah. I had to find, um, you know, apps that, you know, will help navigate on water and, yep. you know, and it took me, there was nearly an entire day of research uh, went into learning how to properly trailer one of those boats when you get it out. Yeah. And it was really funny because um, I was blessed that my editor on this book is was Faye Jacobs, who is probably one of the best humorous
0: oh yeah living. she's a funny girl oh
1: yeah and so Faye read the book Faye loved the book and there were just a couple of things in the book where she said I, you know I this is interesting but it really you kind of don't need it you know because it's really like more information than anyone wants well, okay on the and I I had to think long and hard about that because it was like but I spent a whole day of my life <laughs> how to do this and you're telling me i just cut it that nobody really cares you know so there was that and then there's another one later in the book um that i don't want to give away because it's the the final job these two do together okay is yeah okay (laughs) but there were some particulars related to that one that faye also said this is maybe a little more granular detail you know But you know when you write that stuff and you work really hard on it, it's precious.
0: Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. That's your baby.
1: And the only other thing that I really spent a ton of time learning about is they have a job where they have to repossess a muscle car. It's like a vintage Mustang Shelby. Oh yeah, with that belongs to this construction worker. Yeah, you know, packs. He's always carrying a gun. And they, it, you know, the guy is working with a crew in this subdivision where they're building all these houses, and they come up with a truly unique way oh, yeah. to get this vehicle that involves a wet T-shirt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but when 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 Nick finally gets into the car while Frankie is very capably distracting the construction workers um she realizes that there is an ignition interlock device you know which is the thing that if you get so many dwis they put this breathalyzer that's actually wired to the starter Mm -hmm. on the so you cannot start the car Mm -hmm. unless you blow Blow into into it it, so you know the whole process that nick goes through there first figuring out how does this thing work and am I actually going to do this? Yeah, yeah. I mean, are you really going to take this thing and blow it? Yeah. So, so, that was a lot of work.
0: So, so you had no personal knowledge of that?
1: No, no. <laughs> fortunately, that was one Rubicon I have not yet.
0: <laughs> okay. So, um, you mentioned the Jericho series, mm-hmm. right? And so, how many books are in that? You said is you're writing your fourth.
1: Yeah, there are three. Um, Jericho's the first book, which is probably, you know, like if I punch out tomorrow, you know, Jericho will be the book. If anyone remembers me, that'll be the book, you know, people remember me for. Um, That is a series that's set in a small town in southwestern Virginia. Um, Small community of, of very, my hallmark, you know, 8 million really quirky characters who are all in and out of each other's lives. So uh, the first three books in that series are Jericho, Aftermath, and Goldenrod. And the fourth book in the series, um, which I actually was supposed to write a year ago, and I decided to do this one instead, um, is called Covenant.
0: Okay. When is that due out? Oh.
1: That book is due, I have to turn it in uh, to my publisher uh, at the end of March. Okay. So that book should be out by next summer.
0: Okay, great.
1: Good
0: awesome. Good, good. So, you know, I'm um, hearing, right, like it's pretty amazing for, I think, for an author to receive an award in two different genres of writing and and you've managed to do that right that's pretty freaking amazing um so out of uh romance and mystery what mm-hmm. would you say is your favorite genre to write wow that's
1: really tough um uh, well I think my favorite like, which which is my favorite or which do I think I'm best at? I mean, those are kind of, it's like not the same answer. Yeah. I think I think my favorite to write um, is the more serious content, you know, because even the two mysteries, um, Dust and Galileo, and Galileo is the book that won the Lamy um, in mystery last year.
0: Okay.
1: Um, well, it wasn't even last year and earlier this year. Um, it
0: all blends together.
1: Yeah. 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 You know how it is. So many films. (laughs) Um, Those I I actually, I actually like working on those books more personally because they push me harder. You know, they push me harder as a writer. They're more difficult to do. Yeah. Uh, Writing humor is not easy. But it, it comes it comes to me more easily, okay. you know. than, yeah. then, um, you know, then then writing these books that are more kind of deeply dramatic. Yeah, yeah. The books all have things in common. The books all have my hallmarks. I mean, they all have lots and lots of characters. And um, although The Big Toe is written in first person, mm-hmm. which I don't I don't do very often, um, like The Big Toe is first person and Beowulf for Credence is first person. But the majority of my other books all have multiple narrators. I'll tell you, I
0: think writing that in first person really makes it. Like it just puts it over the top. You know, it's hard. It's hard. Well, thank you. That was a good call.
1: Thank you for saying that. Um, I felt like I needed to do that in this book because the main character of not Vera, Nick, not Vera, (laughs) uh, is the book is so much about her personal journey you know, as a, as like a furloughed attorney. And she has all of those sort of quirky complex. She comes from a blended family, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, the Guatemalan mother who's kind of like the voice always whispering in her head, you know, and how she tries to reconcile all these different parts of who she is, Mm -hmm. you know, and actually ends up finding herself in a real way doing this, what most of us would regard as absolutely absurd kind of work,
0: yeah, yeah,, you know? yeah, it's great, it really, is. I think it's genius,
1: you know, and I and to be fair, I have to tell you, um, the inspiration for the main character, Nick, is a very dear friend of mine, um, who you may or may not have heard of, Michelle Brooks, really? yeah, oh yeah, who is one of the funniest people I've ever known, ever ever. And, um, actually has the same kind of, uh, blended ethnic background that the character Nick has. Okay. And. But she's not a carjacker. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it actually would depend on what was in the car. Uh, If there were any, like, Jimmy Choo's, you know, or or a Louis Vuitton bag or something, she would totally. Okay. Got it. All All (laughs) And Michelle was a tremendous help to me, too. She actually read, um it's kind of an early version of the book because I really wanted her feedback to make sure, you know, that I was actually getting it right. Mm-hmm. You know, and she was tremendously helpful oh, to that's me. Nice,
0: that's so, Really nice. Nice. That's what good friends are for, right? Oh yeah. So um, what, what then was your favorite book that you've written? You know, I
1: think um, anybody out there who's, who's read a lot of my books might be, Surprised by this, but actually, my favorite book um, are the Diz and Clarissa stories that are in Three Plus One. Okay. Those are, um, I don't know if you're familiar with them. No, no. Okay. They are short stories about the same two characters that I started writing forever ago. In fact, I wrote the very, very first one back in. Wait a minute. I've got a plaque here that has a date on it. Well, it doesn't have oh, a date on it. Back in 20-something, um, you know, when there was a whole – when there, there's still a lot of fan fiction online, but where some of the sites like uh, the Academy of Bards and the Athenaeum and some of the other ones were, were just really, really huge mm-hmm. and humming, and they had a little Christmas short story contest, and it was kind of quirky. They gave you this list of um, words that you had to incorporate into the story, okay. and they were really weird off-the-wall things, mm-hmm. you know. So, you had to write a story and fit all these things in. So, I thought, well, that sounds like real fun, you know. And I had just lost my father. Um, it wasn't long before Christmas. And I was really looking for a, you know, like a distraction and an outlet. And yeah. I decided to sit down and write this Christmas time short story. Okay. And uh, it features, you know, it has one of my hallmarks a very beleaguered narrator mm-hmm. for whom nothing ever works out right. <laughs> And she works in the research department of a huge magazine conglomerate and shares an office with this woman who she thinks is her total polar opposite. Who's like the daughter of the publisher. And this woman is working her way up through the corporate ranks and all, you know, whatever, all that. So I wrote this story that ended up just kind of clicking, you know, and these characters really worked and it's funny. And then, um, I decided that every year at Christmas, I would just write another one. Oh. So I so I kind of kept the story of these two going. Nice. And when I had enough of them, I put out this collection. There are four of them in this book. And these two women have this bizarre cast of friends, like Diz's best friend is this guy named Marty, who's married to this truly castrating woman who is a former Roman Catholic nun, okay. and they have they have three like <laughs> absolute hellion little boys named Alvin, Simon, and Theodore. No way. Yeah, and then they have a psychotic Siberian husky, which derives from my own life experience. So somehow, Diz and Clarissa every year at Christmas end up getting stuck with Marty's kids and the dog. Oh my God, this is So, so th- those, out. those actually, I mean, they're, that's my favorite thing.
0: Oh, that's uh-huh. fun. That's absolutely fun. Yeah. And, and I can understand that, you know, uh, when you started writing it, it was probably a very emotional time for you. Yeah. And yeah. so, you know, a lot of that was, you know, kind of put into this writing, which probably, uh made for a better story right
1: yeah well, i think so and, and the end of that story the story is called nevermore uh because they're the stories are all set in baltimore okay. and um you know the end of the story um and it, the story ends with Diz sitting out on the front steps of her her painted lady her um her row home in baltimore mm-hmm. and it's beginning to snow and a cardinal lands Aww. on the you know on the railing like right next to her yeah. And she kind of holds out her hand, you know, to beckon to it. And, you know, my father died like two weeks before Christmas. And that year on my Christmas tree, I only had one ornament, and it was a red cardinal. Aww. So that was, that's so sweet. Thank you.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so, and I'm sorry about your dad.
1: Oh, thank you. Yeah. I lost my mom a week before Christmas, too. I mean, oh my, my family really needs to kind of pick another holiday.
0: Yeah. You know?
1: Yeah. What's it's like, okay, that? guys, how about like, you know, Arbor Day? Yeah. That's a good day. Or even Halloween. <laughs> yeah, Halloween, fine. <laughs> oh, boy.
0: Yeah, I'm sorry about that. That's rough. Um, so, uh, you know, actually, I'm thinking about it. My, my father actually died like uh, a week before Christmas also. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, weird. Yeah. yeah. So um what do you do when you're not writing or working? Drink. Okay. All right.
1: Oh. <laughs> well, actually I'm not really lying. Um no, um well, you know, I I still even though I'm retired from my, you know, from my professional job as a graphic designer, I still work as a graphic designer okay. and I still do tons and tons and tons of design work. I um have, I do a lot of work for a local hospice organization, like a multi-county hospice organization. And I do tons of pro bono work for other nonprofits. And then I have my book cover design gig, mm-hmm. which really keeps me busy. I mean, uh, Salem and I, we share this office right here. Mm-hmm. And we both work seven days a week. Wow. We just do.
0: That's amazing. So do you think you're busier now that you're retired then? Yeah. Oh, oh <laughs> hell
1: yeah. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's good. That's good. And I'm, and I'm tired. I mean, I get the tired part of retired. Uh,
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're doing it all over again.
1: Yeah. You know, because like, for me, it's kind of like Joni Mitchell, who sometimes I feel like she raised me, okay.
0: you know, yeah. she's
1: like a huge influence in my life which does not make me unique, but I'll never forget, she did this live recording many years ago uh, with the LA Express, and um, she was getting ready to, you know, go into the next song, and she was tuning her guitar and stuff, and she said, you know, people are, because Joni Mitchell is also a painter, you know, she's also a creative mm-hmm. like visual artist, mm-hmm. in addition to being a, an incredible lyricist and performer, and she said, you know, people ask her all the time about the difference between being a painter and being a singer. Mm -hmm. And she said, you know, when you're, when you're a painter, it's like you do something and it's direct and it's done and you're finished with it. Yeah. And somebody buys it or maybe they don't buy it. Mm -hmm. But she said, nobody ever said to Van Gogh paint a starry night again, man. Oh, that's true. You know, and, and with, in this business, you know, you, you write a book, People like it or don't like it, but if they like it, all you hear is, when are you going to write it? I want another book about it. When are you going to do it? When's it coming out? Yeah. Why isn't it this one? Yeah. You know?
0: It's like, I like it. I love it. I want more of it.
1: Yeah, yeah like we all have this insatiable appetite, Yeah, you know, for, for things we like. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, when you're kind of on the end of being the person trying to churn that stuff out, it sometimes becomes really you know, hard Yeah, almost burdensome.
0: So you, um, I think you said that it was around 2011 that your first book was published. Mm -hmm. So were you writing before that and just non-published?
1: I, I did do a fair amount of writing before that, but not fiction, you know, like I, I wrote essays. I actually was, uh, uh, like a feature reviewer for a newspaper for a while. Um, you know, but I never wrote fiction prior to tw- like 2010. And I will tell you, the thing that got me started was reading Xena fan fiction online.
0: Oh, my goodness. Somebody, yeah. that, somebody else just told me that. Yeah.
1: Uh, you know, I, there was some incredibly good. I mean, you, you had people like KG McGregor. Yeah. You know, and I remember reading her books going, holy mackerel. You know, and yeah. and, and, then, and the more I read it, the more I started thinking, well, you know, maybe, so maybe I could, like, try this.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you did. Well, thank you. I'm glad you dabbled. <laughs> I dabbled. In a big way. <laughs> yeah. So um, what do you think, then, like, are the components of a good story?
1: Um, well, for me the the person who's writing or crafting a, a story has a real responsibility to structure, plot, plan, you know, plan and plot mm-hmm. the structure of the story so it makes sense. You know, if I'm if I'm going to if I'm going to expect you mm-hmm. to climb in a car Mm-hmm. and go on a trip with me mm-hmm. you need to be able to trust that I know where we're going
0: mm-hmm. Okay. if I don't
1: know where we're going yep. and the car is like careening all over and taking random turns and going the wrong direction you know you would be wise to kind of go yeah I think I want to get out of this car yeah I think I'll take the bus I think I might take the bus instead you know so but, you,
0: you've never written yourself into a corner then
1: oh oh I, I won't say that oh okay um, you know, sometimes when you're writing, I will say I am not a panster, you know, I'm an outliner. Okay. I, I'm very strongly in that. Okay. You know, I think I think I have the responsibility to actually know. If I don't know every detail of what's going to happen in the story, I at least need to know where, if, if you think about a story as a giant tent yes. that covers, a, a, you know, a defined amount of territory. mm mm-hmm. My job is to know where the tall po- poles in the tent are. Okay. I have to navigate from this pole to this pole to this pole to this pole. That's, good that's a, my job. That's a good enough. And I need to do it in a way that makes sense yeah. so that everything ends up where it's supposed to. And I need to understand going into it what to each of the characters want? Uh-huh. What do they each want? And then I have to answer the question, are they going to get it? If they are going to get it, how? And if they're not, why not? And then how do they all interact with each other? Mm -hmm. And it's my job to at least know the the broadest outlines of that before I put anything down on paper. Now, having said that, Mm -hmm. I will say there are times when you have something perfectly crafted and plotted out, and you're sitting down and you're writing. And When I was writing Beowulf for Cretans, I was two thirds of the way through the book and one of the metaphors in the book for the main character, Grace, Grace Warner, who's a college professor. Mm -hmm. She has been for years writing what she calls the great American novel, you know, her own book, Mm -hmm. which kind of parallels what's happening in the story. Right. And her book is about the theft in, I think it was 19. I might don't quote me on the year, like maybe 19. 62, um, the theft of a very famous Willem de Kooning painting okay. from the University of Arizona Art Museum. Oh. It's a big deal. Yeah. So it was Thanksgiving Day. These really singularly odd looking people showed up at the museum on the day, I think it was maybe the day after Thanksgiving at nine o'clock in the morning. Nobody else was there. And they were wearing these big overcoats in Arizona. Yeah. Um, and they go in And one of the people distracts the security guard, while the other one goes up to the gallery where this painting is, cuts it out of its frame, rolls it up, stuffs it in his coat. They leave, they speed off, and the painting is never discovered. Never. It's just gone. It's gone. Hmm. So I thought, and the painting is called uh, Woman Ochre. That's the name of the painting. Okay. So I thought, I'm going to pick this this mm-hmm. to be the thing that grace is writing a novel about okay okay two-thirds of the way through the book
0: uh-huh
1: they find the damn painting oh it it up. what are the odds oh my god what are the odds that's wild i were sitting here and salem turns around and goes uh-oh and i'm like what and she's like yeah so there's this piece in the new york times um mm-hmm. they actually found that de Kooning. Painting. Oh my god. And I was just like, You're you're joking, right? She's like, No, no, not so much. Um, so the people who had stolen it reframed it and hung it on the wall behind their bedroom door in their modest little ranch house. No way. Yeah, for decades. And then when they died, I think it was a nephew who had no clue, you know, went through and just sold stuff off and he sold artwork to a local wasn't exactly a junk store but it was you know kind of a place like that yeah and someone saw the painting in there and actually recognized the artist's signature and said this really looks like it might be you know so I had to I, I I mean that was like somebody lobbed a hand grenade in the middle of this book
0: what are the chances
1: yeah what are the odds right so sure i mean you can have the best laid plans in the world Mm -hmm. and and you can like you set a corner Mm -hmm. you know or or something can go horribly wrong and you have to write your way out of it
0: so do you do a lot of character development before you even begin then
1: Oh, yeah, okay. I absolutely do. I, I usually um, – now, you know, there are little things that happen, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like you go out to the post office and stand in line and there's just somebody larger than life in line ahead of you and you're just like, yeah, I, I'm I, – that I, I, This guy's I'm, mine. <laughs> yeah, this guy's mine. He's <laughs> going to book, you know. Yeah. But, yeah, generally I will do um, – I will write uh, character sketches for each of the characters in the book. Okay. And then, what I'll figure out after I do that is, you know, again, the questions who are they? What do they want? Are they going to get? You know, and then how do they relate to the rest of what's going on? And then, after I do all of that, I look at that panoply of of characters and I figure out who is going to tell the story? Which of these people will be the narrators we hear from? So I pick them very carefully. And then I try to come up with what seems like a logical scene structure. You know, it might not be obvious to people who read my books, but they're kind of put together almost like a piece of music. Mm-hmm. You know, they have, um, you know, they have they have like a meter and they have, a you know, a beat and all of that. So, you know, if I have a book that has six narrators mm-hmm. um, in every chapter, there's a formula to how you're going to hear from them. Okay you know, in each one yeah. and how each of them carries one piece of the story forward until all of those things come together at the end.
0: Okay. To, to create the masterpiece. Yeah.
1: Which by the way, yes. is not at all what I did with the big town. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, that's awesome. So, so here's a question for you, Anne. Yes. If you could tell your younger writing self, something that you think you would need to know, what, what would it be?
1: I want to make sure that my wife is in the other part of the house. Okay. Shh. Oh, sh- yeah. I would tell myself marry for money. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm, that's not to say that there aren't people out there who, who legitimately, um, make a decent living, uh, on their books, yeah. you know, because cause, I mean there are, right? Right,
0: right. Um,
1: probably not as many, you know, as those of us who don't. But um, what I would tell my younger self about writing, I think I would say, uh, start sooner, like like don't wait until you're as old as I was in the fifties. Mm-hmm. Um, read as much as you possibly can, and and be judicious. Read, read good things, you know, read books that are well-crafted and, and well put together. Mm-hmm. Um, read and pay attention to what they do. Why do the books work? You know, what are the things the authors are doing to tell the story, mm-hmm. you know, that really carry the narrative forward in the ways it should, and, uh, and learn from that. Mm-hmm. You know, and solicit feedback, Not from, not so much from friends, you know, not so much from friends or other people who are just big readers, Mm -hmm. but, but solicit careful feedback from people who really understand the craft of writing, you know, who kind of look at it and, and people who will tell you the truth Mm -hmm. and listen to them and don't ever fall into the trap of believing that anything you have committed to paper is, is too precious. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's, that's that's wise really, you know, smart. hard. Yeah. Hard. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're putting yourself out there. You're putting your, your child out there, right?
1: Yeah. So you know, that- I worked with, um, the, there's an incredible, um, incredible writer and editor in, we're, we're blessed to have her in the lesbian literature community, a woman named Elizabeth Sims. Um, if you're, if you're really, really brave, I mean really brave. And you've had lots of psychotherapy. <laughs> um, you know, Elizabeth, um, she's she's really tough. But if you if you gird your loins and you listen to her, mm-hmm. you know, she she made me a better writer. Really? At least at least on the one book we worked together on. You
0: know? oh, that's
1: awesome. and I'm I'm hoping to um you know, to, to have her plug into the book I'm working on right now, but yeah, I, I can't overemphasize that. Yeah, that's great. You know, find the people, find the people who for good reason are acknowledged to be the best mm-hmm. practitioners of the craft and and seek them out.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's important, really. Um so good advice. Good advice. Mm. Um do you, do you like to hear from your readers?
1: Oh yeah, I really do. Yeah. Oh yeah, I mean who doesn't? Okay. You know, I I I I I'm I'm an appalling black hole of need. <laughs> you, know, yeah. you know, gosh, I want to, I mean, you, like you, you said a minute ago, you know, the books are like your children. Yes. You know, it's like everybody wants to hear, you know, gosh, your kids, they're, they're so funny and attractive. You yeah, know, I, yeah. I want to have them over for dinner. Yeah. You know, yeah. No, I love, okay. I love getting feedback. So how crazy. would, um,
0: how would our listeners contact you then? Well, the easiest
1: way, I mean, I have a website, okay. um, annemcmahon.com. Okay. Super easy. Um, they can also reach me on social media, you know, Facebook, Twitter. I'm kind of terrible at it. Usually, uh, usually I make appearances when there's a cattle prod up my butt, (laughs) but, um, you know, and also through my publisher, Bywater Books. Okay. I, I would love, I'd love to hear from people.
0: Okay. And have you always published with Bywater?
1: No, 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 no. Um, my published first with a small company named Bedazzled Inc. And they, oh. were, they were actually lovely. I mean, I had a, a really wonderful experience working with them. I know them. And, uh, in fact, they were, I will be forever indebted to them for being the ones who put Jericho out in front okay. of an unsuspecting world. And I've been with Bywater for, don't quote me, maybe eight, eight years. Okay. Maybe eight years. Good, good. They're, seven, they're good, solid organization. You know, you lose, when you, you know, once you go on Medicare, you know, uh-huh. you kind of lose all sense of space and time. <laughs> you know, like, oh, it's night again.
0: Oh, yes. Every day's a Saturday. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, do you have any parting words for our listeners?
1: Just, you know, I, uh, yeah, you know, we can get through this year, 2020. It's, it's been the way it's been for all of us, you know, and if we hold each other close and we keep reading, you know, keep reading the books we love and, and we, we find ways to keep hope alive, you know, that's what I want. You know, it, it, when things get to the point that you can't manage them, you know, get off the computer, turn off the T V, pick up a book.
0: Yeah, yeah. Good advice. Good advice. Really. Um, it's a strange world right now. Yeah, sure. Even even, even Fungi the Dolphin is missing. Oh, oh no. Yes, yes. To top off twenty twenty. He's <sighs> he's missing from Dingle Bay. So
1: Oh. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, we voted. We we went out on the first day of early voting. And um we we got in line an hour early and I I I'm just so happy and relieved that we did that and and I hope everyone, you know, regardless of what side of the equation they're on, you know, does the same thing. Yep.
0: Yeah, we just voted yesterday mail in ballot, so
1: we decided to vote in person. Yeah. We actually had requested mail in ballots, but but decided that we would, you know, go ahead and you know, bite the bullet. And yep. Yep. Go. Yeah. And then we went and gave blood right after it. Ah <laughs> good Go figure. Yeah. Salem's right? birthday was Salem's birthday was this week and, and I'm like, you know, we, we don't do like big gift things anymore. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm like, so what do you want to do? What do you want to do? And she said, Well, I I want to vote, and I want to go get blood. Nice. And I'm like, yeah, you're like incredibly weird. (laughs) Okay.
0: Yeah, that's awesome, though. That's a great way to spend your birthday, like giving back. Yeah. Yeah. So, Anne, thank you so much for being with us today. Uh, Oh, Anita, thank
1: you for for asking me to do this. I'm so honored.
0: It's been. And by the way,
1: great interview.
0: Oh, thanks. Thanks. You're a great interview. I just never shut up. You're fun. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, we will, uh, our readers are are looking forward to uh, The Big Toe and Unlikely Romance
1: available. I think they won't be disappointed, honest to goodness. No, they won't. People will just trust me if they want to laugh. And be happy and feel good about something, you know? It, it,
0: it definitely. And now, it, you know, we need that more than ever right now. And and so. it is a laugh out loud romantic comedy for sure.
1: And it's a nice little romance too. Oh, it
0: is. It is. I love it. And by the way, it's full of great food. Yeah, yeah. They go out to eat all the time. Well, and they always go to the same place. Yes. They go to a
1: they go to a local Winston Salem restaurant called Sweet Potatoes.
0: Yes. And it's a hundred
1: percent real.
0: Is that Fred the Bartender? Fred the bartender is a real man. That's amazing. And he
1: makes the best cosmopolitan you will ever have.
0: That's great. Oh, that's awesome. So well, that is all the time we have for today. Uh, again, thanks to Ann McMahon and check out her latest, The Big Toe. Um, and I'm Anita Kelly. Thanks for joining. Liz. talk about books, baby. So until next time, may your journey
1: be lighthearted, peace be plenty and stay safe, folks.